with more great entertainment than ever before as HBO goes 24 hours a day. In January, you will miss a crusade for human dignity, the elephant manuary, plus sports and specials for less than taking your family to a single movie. HBO, 24 hours a day, starting in January. To install HBO in your home, call 674-9100. Radio Drone. Welcome to another lovely Thursday night. It's not actually lovely. I am Josh Hadley. Am I actually Josh Hadley? I'm not sure. But Peter's not going to be here if if this is Radio Drone. I don't know, but I think Cecil's here. I'm here. All right, I'll trust you on this for now. I don't <laughs> I, know where this I, yeah. is going. It has nothing to do yeah. with the topic, so... But what you guys need to do, go to adamandeve.com, use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, and you will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free sex swing, which Cecil says don't work as well as you would think they would, and free U.S. What? shipping. I, I cannot endorse sex swingery. Use the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. Because Peter can't be here, this is not our scheduled topic. Cecil and I are just going to talk about... The changing face of movie viewership. Or I want to, let me rephrase that. The changing face of media viewership. Cause I want to include TV shows and things like that as well. It's obviously with Netflix and streaming being as big as they are, film viewership, I'm talking on film, film viewership, which, you know, okay, that word doesn't even carry any weight anymore because most films you see in the theater are a digital projection. But seeing movies in the theater really has taken a hit, even more, because DVDs took a nice chunk out of that. Remember that in the late 90s, early 2000s? Netflix has taken an even bigger chunk of that now. Yeah, well, the, the the bottom line is most people anymore have a nice 4K TV or even not if it's 4K, if, even if it's 1080p. They're watching movies on Blu-ray, they're streaming things on Netflix, and the delivery from theater to home video is so much shorter. There, there was a time where if you didn't catch a movie in theaters, you'd have to wait years before it would finally hit home video. And before that, hope you could catch it. If it was a studio film, maybe on NBC Sunday night at the movies, you'd maybe be able to see it edited on that because that's the reason that big gap used to be there, Cecil, was because of the TV sale. Because they were selling it to whatever the network was. And then, because remember, VHS at that point, at the point you're talking about, was what, in 30, 40% of American homes? Everybody had NBC. 
Oh, yeah. But that was the thing. Then you're watching a completely watered down version of whatever the movie was, complete with commercials. So it's like you're you're ruining the experience of enjoying the film. I mean, it's one thing if it's something that you've already seen or if it's on in the background. But like to have that as like your first viewing of some really exceptional films, just it would ruin it. Part of that was you also I'm talking early 80s here. You had you had cable coming in. Now, yeah, you could see these movies on TBS and whatnot in the really early days, but again, censored and on and with commercials and full frame. But in the really early days of like HBO, you had HBO and Showtime, and then of course each of them had their their different spinoffs, which would be Cinemax and the Movie Channel, respectively, and they would air their movies uncut. They would still air relatively mainstream stuff. Yeah, you, you will see a zombie movie and weird slasher movies and things like that, but you're not going to see a weird indie film. You're not going to see a shot on video film. You're not going to see some 1940s foreign film that's subtitled on HBO or the movie channel. And then you had channels like Z Channel come in. Z Channel might have made it if not for some behind the scenes circumstances, but Z Channel was, we're going to do both. We'll program The Empire Strikes Back, and we'll also program that 1940s movie with subtitles that's from Africa, that black and white one. And we're going to show them widescreen. Isn't it weird, Cecil, how if you go back to 1984, widescreen was something that people would go, I don't want to watch the movie that way? Wait a minute. There's these black bars on the top and the bottom of the screen. It's like, no, you're you're getting more of the picture. But the, I mean, you're you're kind of. I see it from two ways. It's like, yes, I understand that they think they're losing the picture because it's not filling up the screen. They don't understand. They didn't understand at the time that you know it, it was shot as a rectangle, not a square. Z Channel is really watch the documentary Z Channel Magnificent Obsession. It's a really depressing story. They had this amazing library of movies. They showcased filmmakers that no other that even Showtime and HBO would have never touched. Movies you would have never gotten on on even free cable, let alone free TV. It turned out that the guy running Z Channel was suicidal. And he ended up shooting his wife, his second wife, and, and then himself. And, and then the channel got bought out by a, a low-rent cable channel that was going to take it nationwide. But then they started needing to shore up the coffers with showing sporting events. So literally, if a baseball game or a basketball game was coming on, they would cut the end of a movie off because the basketball game was starting. You had the movie fans who didn't care about the sporting events. You had the sporting fans who didn't want to watch the weird widescreened movie. Z Channel was a disaster, but it was a good idea. Just everything was working against Z Channel. That sucks. Uh, it's there. There's been far too many things like that where they have just a really good idea and it just is undone by just internal problems. Because cable, as we're getting into the later 80s, cable, and I'm talking pay cable here, HBO, Cinemax, and that, they started to become more and more ingrained in American homes. And that's because people wanted to watch movies. And the, the funny thing was a lot of the movies you'd get on HBO – you could also get on VHS, and it's not like there was a big difference in the quality of the HBO version's full frame, so is the VHS. They're usually the same print, yet somehow people were not renting Deathstalker 3 on VHS, but they would watch it at 3 a.m. on HBO. It's, it's kind of a weird dichotomy. 
Yeah, I, I've seen so many movies that uh, I probably wouldn't have watched uh, normally. Just uh, I'm flipping channels. Hey, this is on Witchcraft 4. Uh, sure, I'll watch this. You know, why not? Uh, so I've seen a large portion of my, uh, movies that, uh, movies that I really now enjoy because I saw them in the middle of the night and I just kind of happened to stumble upon them. Nobody was going to be seeking out Sinjinor, but you'd well, watch it at 3 a.m. on a Friday night, right? Well, now I would, but, but may, maybe not back then, but I, I didn't, uh, I, I wasn't quite ingrained in it, uh, as much as I am now. I think you're right in a certain aspect that you wouldn't seek out a lot of the movies that, that you know, our circle would have watched. I mean, yeah, most people are going to be trying to look for terms of endearment and things like that. Our circle would watch whatever was on, which is one of the great things that we had the horror hosts. You know, on cable, you and I talked about it. We had Joe Bob Briggs. Joe Bob Briggs, we didn't tune in for the movie, did we? We were tuning in for Joe Bob, and we were going to watch whatever he happened to show us that night, weren't we? September is a magical month when thoughts turn to autumn leaves, football, the renewal of old friendships after the summer, the melancholy of the crisp dying wind. Except on Joe Bob's Drive-In Theater where we keep doing the same old crap we always do. So tune in every Saturday night at 11 o'clock for the best in the three B's, blood, breasts, and beasts. You can depend on us to never change. I'm Joe Bob Briggs. I hate nature. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, it was, uh, I would say for, for me, I was tuning in for Joe Bob, but the movie also kind of played, uh, an importance to it. Was going to watch it regardless, but I would like it if it was something that I was, uh, either interested in or something that was, uh, like something that I was familiar with or, or just at least something that just sounded like it was going to be fun, but which was almost always a Joe Bob movie. He just had a knack for being able to pick those magical, uh, bad movies but uh Ironic, yeah ironically it, enough he never had anything to do with the programming wow he he it always seemed like it was just something that uh you know i mean he's got a passion for it uh it just seemed like it was something he, that was up his alley the, 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 the way he would do it he's especially on the movie channel a lot of times they would they, they would give him a list of all the movies that they have and then he would say these are the good ones that he said they would tend to defer to him like, oh, okay, these are the ones you want. But there were numerous times and he was very clear on air. This is not a good movie and I don't want to show it and they're making me show it. I don't want this. Mo Even on Monster Vision, he was promised that he would never have to show the Roddy Roddy Piper, Sonny Chiba movie Immortal Combat a second time. They programmed that four more times on Monster Vision in the next two years, and every time he's talked on air about how they promised me we'd never have to sit through Immortal Kombat again. Well, I I have personally sat through Immortal Kombat, I think probably more than Mortal Kombat. I just like Sonny Chiba ranting about random things, and this being one of Sonny Chiba's, now when I say American movies, I mean American produced, his accent, I mean he, he could speak clear English, but his accent was so thick, half the time he's just speaking gibberish as far as you're concerned. Hey, you know what, it was better than the stuff that was later in his career. He did one movie where he was old, like a I don't know how old, but he just looked tired. And it was him and Brigitte Nielsen. Body she count. Was, body count, yeah. I have that on VHS, yes. Uh, it, it, like, he just, 
he really i don't know if he he owed money or if, like he just looked so tired that whole movie i felt really bad for him and he isn't he the main villain too i believe it's been a long time i yeah, just I haven't remember seen that since the 90s but I, I seem to remember him being like the, the the big bad mob boss guy oh man and the other and the thing was too he's i mean he he would even at 90 years old he would kick the shit out of both of us peter i don't know maybe is is just a badass but he's so small and uh brigitte nielsen is is huge and there was a couple of scenes where they were just standing next to each other and she's just towering over but, so i've always remembered that uh, that just sticks out in my head but yeah i haven't seen it in a while but see okay maybe because i'm a little bit older than you i i would tune into a horror host show for the host like locally we had ned the dead i would tune into ned the dead's show it didn't matter what he was showing. And in a lot of cases, that's how I'd stumble across a lot of these movies. He'd be showing me movies I'd never heard of before. Or like even on a national scale, Elvira. Who the hell ever tuned in for the movie for Movie Macabre? Here in Philadelphia, we had, uh, after Saturday Night Live, we had Saturday Night Dead. I didn't catch it until like the last couple of years. It ran from uh, 84 until 1990. So I was, uh, I would usually like sneak up while, uh, like my folks, you know, would, my dad often would fall asleep watching Saturday Night Live. And so I would sneak into the room and just kind of like lay over next to the couch and watch Saturday Night Dead. And it was kind of the same thing. It was an Elvira type show, uh, um, you know, Vampirella, they would, or Vampira, rather, uh, she would uh, have the little bits in between, would uh, talk Mor about uh, bad on. movies. Was, and... was her name like Morticia something? I, th I, I, I might have seen something from her before. That sounds no, it was, familiar. It's Stella. Uh, Stella, Stella, the man eater yes. from Manayunk, which that, is that's it. A real is is a real place in Philly, uh, which uh, I pass by whenever I go into the city. This is KYW-TV, Channel 3 in Philadelphia. This is Saturday Night Dead. Starring Stella, that man-eater from Maniunk. Tonight, Roddy McDowell stars in the horror thriller, It. But now, here's a woman who has gone through a truly uplifting experience. Stella and Saturday Night Day. Oh, this place is a mess. <laughs> oh, good evening. Welcome to Saturday Night Dead. It's me, Stella, the maddening minx of movie dumb. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was funny and it's, uh, it, it was just, uh, it was silly and you can actually watch like clips and stuff on YouTube and it's very, very, very cool because it's really Philly based. I mean, they make all kinds of Philly references and they, you know, they show because her walking through. Nobody ever thought that was going to be seen outside of Philly, man. Exactly. You know, that's the beauty of it. And uh, going back and watching some of it, it's, oh my God, this is great. Look at how like terrible this is. I understand how much Netflix and streaming has opened up the market. Isn't there a certain, quaint's not the right word, but a certain quaintness that's lost to like, you knew amongst all your friends when Saturday Night Dead came on, all of you were watching the same thing at the same time. Like, go back to the 70s. The first Kolchak the Night Stalker movie, which at the time was the highest rated TV movie ever until the 1990s. That had an estimated 73% of all televisions watching that at the time. Can you imagine that? 
Well, but 73% of the country were all watching the same movie at the same time. Well, there was the, uh, you know, it's the water cooler stuff. Like they would do, they had that with like Lost and whatnot, where, uh, you know, everybody would tune in that night and watch the show. And then the next morning they would all hover around the water cooler and talk about it. And now to a certain degree, we have that with Netflix in the form of binging. They'll release, uh, something like just recently they put out the, uh, the animated, uh, Castlevania. Everybody just binged that, uh, the, you know, within the first two days and could not stop talking about how awesome it was. And so, I mean, in a way, that's kind of message boards and Facebook and Twitter and all that have become the new water cooler. I'll get back to that in a couple of minutes because I have an issue with the whole binge watching thing. And I don't like that term either. When when you go back and look at like what a big deal it was. Now, I am not trying to say the scarcity of films is a good thing, but I remember the big, big deal in, I want to say, 93 or 94, when the Sci-Fi Channel aired Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the original, not the, not the 78 remake, widescreen for the first time ever. It was to coincide with the movie coming out on Laserdisc later that month, widescreen. The first time it had ever been seen widescreen since its theatrical presentation. He tried to warn them, but it was too late. Kevin McCarthy hosts the Letterbox version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, April 1st at 8 Eastern. That was such a big deal amongst horror and sci-fi fans. Now that kind of thing really doesn't even matter anymore, does it? And again, Cecil, I'm not arguing for the scarcity of movies, but I'm just saying it was kind of a, a neat communal experience at that point. We all knew we had to get home from work early that night because widescreen invasion of the body snatchers was coming on at eight. If you missed that, then you were hosed. Now it's like, oh my God, I'm stuck in traffic. Uh, it's a good thing when I get home, I can just start watching it whenever. If you have it, you know, if you have it DVR'd or if you, uh, if it's something on Netflix, you can just watch it at your leisure and the convenience is there. And I think that that really makes up for a lot of that. I, I, yeah, I get what you're saying. I understand that there is that communal thing of where, oh my God, I just watched this. It's amazing. I, we're all, everybody's busy. The world is busy now and it's nice to be able to be like oh crap i don't have time to watch this now but i can watch it whenever i want i you know i have it saved on my dvr it's on netflix it's on amazon prime and it's just it's more convenient that way i think netflix is part of the problem now you know i have a, a predisposition against netflix part of the problem they don't really want to embrace the past and this is not just netflix this is hulu and all of this stuff you go back to even the early 90s. Sci-Fi Channel would air all of these strange, short-run, maybe nine episodes, 12 episodes, these weird TV shows that still to this day don't have a DVD release. No, Netflix is never going to pick up James Coburn's Dark Room or Manimal or Auto Man or anything like that. Netflix wants what's popular. And I, I recently read an article about how Netflix is systematically saying that the past doesn't exist for movies. Just try finding a movie from before 1985 on Netflix. A recent count, now this was in like uh, early of earlier this year, there was only about two dozen movies on that entire platform that were from before 1985. Netflix encourages, we want the new. And inherently, there's nothing wrong with that. There's no alternative to go, I'm going to go find the original Day the Earth Stood Still. Oh, crap. That's not playing anywhere. And Netflix won't touch that, but they will have the Keanu Reeves remake. 
Okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. There are a lot of people, uh, back when I was uh, regularly employed, I had a guy who was arguing about how there's nothing on Netflix. And I was like, what do you mean there's nothing new on Netflix? And I remember, you know, going back eight years, I don't remember, you know, seven years, I don't remember what uh, what was on at the time. But I just remember being like, oh, my God, there's, dit, 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 you know, going down the list. Finally, I went to, argue, you know, I was arguing with the guy back, like not arguing, but talking. And it came to it came to a head of where it was essentially Essentially, there's nothing new on Netflix. And that was before they had really started to do the uh, the contracts with the stars and Disney and all that. And so the bottom line is essentially there are a lot of people like that. They don't care. They don't when when you're getting all the latest and greatest movies, they don't want to watch the old stuff whether or not it's been influenced by something like netflix people are you know they they're just consuming quantities mass quantities of media and they want now mass quantities they just they want all of that new stuff and they don't really want to get the old stuff and there now granted you have people like us and there are still an audience there's still an audience for it it's just that the people that are going to be watching it on a mass enough scale are the ones who want the brand new stuff immediately so they're a business and they are catering to the market and i don't particularly fault them for that i think it's a bummer but i understand why they're doing it well, and then let's get back to this. And again, I don't like the term, but the binge watching of, of say, TV shows. Comic, the weekend we're recording this, Comic-Con is happening. And Comic-Con released the new trailer for Star Trek Discovery. Star Trek Discovery has made a deal with Netflix. They'll air on CBS each episode. And then a week later, the episodes, one per week, will show up on Netflix. And people are pissed at this. I want to watch the whole season at once. TV shows have started to, especially if they're like a Netflix original or something, they're designed to be watched all at once. And that's changed the paradigm of the whole thing, where each episode is specifically made to, you're going to watch the next episode right after this, not wait a week to see what happens. I mean, I remember when The Shield was on in its first season. I screwed myself over, actually, at one point. Because you watched The Shield. That show always ended on a freaking cliffhanger, didn't it? Yeah. It's always Vic Mackey in the middle of something. And, and yeah, they just ended on a cliffhanger. And see, I screwed myself over because I had friends that would get, that worked at newspapers and magazines who would get, this is still the VHS era of screeners, that would get review screeners. So I remember episode one had aired, episode two had aired, and I got a screening VHS for episodes three, four, five, and six. I watched all of those in the same night and then went, shit. Now I have to wait a whole month to see what happens instead of only having to wait a week if I just watched them when they came out. Dumbass. I think the uh, the old model sucks, <laughs> uh, quite frankly, for, for two reasons. Number one, I like being able to, hey, here's the whole season. Watch it from beginning to end if you want. Space it out. You can watch it however you like. And it's also eliminated the nonsense that has killed me with shows like Smith where, all right, we're going to air these and we're going to cancel the show halfway through the first season. And then maybe. Whoa, 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 we'll whoa, put... whoa, whoa. Smith was canceled after the third freaking episode. Okay. And I loved that show. If you're talking about the Ray Liotta show, yeah. that was an amazing program. But Smith is a weird one because if you watch that original pilot, that was made for Showtime. And wow, can you tell that was made for Showtime and not CBS? 
Oh yeah, but then but it, it but the show was still great. And again, hey, I really like this. Well, too bad. We're canceling it. You know, it, there used to be a time where they would run a show and it would they would film an entire season and they would run the entire season. And if it got legs that showed promise, they would do another season and run that entire season. And now they're getting to the thing where they're canceling a show after three episodes. I mean, that's that's not giving people enough time to find it. Word of mouth to spread. I mean, three weeks, that's nothing. So now when you've got something like Netflix, hey, here's the entire season. And then if it does well, then they'll do another entire season. And if it doesn't do well, well, then, hey, at least you've got an entire season. I, I am hardly one to argue about the psychology of all this but I have been seeing recent articles and again I don't necessarily agree with this I'm just bringing this up as a counterpoint okay I want to be clear Cecil the binge watching thing is actually causing people it's causing a change in their brains because for instance there are people when a new show drops or specifically a, a new season on Netflix, you know, like one of the new Marvel shows like like Jessica Jones or Luke Cage, people call in sick for work because it's not good enough to just watch one or two episodes. I have to see the whole thing in one day. That's become this thing where I need to watch it all. There is no waiting. And, like, I guarantee you, on October 27th, Friday, October 27th, when Stranger Things Season 2 comes out on Netflix, there's going to be a mass of people calling in sick to work that day because they need to watch all eight episodes in one day. Like I said, I don't necessarily agree with this being a psychological issue. To me, you're stupid if you're literally willing to risk your job because I can't just watch one or two. I have to watch them all. I faked sick so I could stay home and play Final Fantasy VII. You are such a loser. I uh, I had a wonderful time, quite frankly. You, you you know, all right, hey, I don't feel like going into work today, or hey, um, you know, I, I it's it's their choice of what to use it for. Now, if you are taking sick days beyond what you have to stay home and watch Netflix or play video games or whatever, then it's an issue. But if you really love a show and you want to fake sick to stay home to binge watch the entire season, guess what? You've earned that right. It's not a big deal. People do it all the time. People do it for sporting events. People do it for TV shows. People do it just because they don't feel like going to work. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, let's talk about how the consumption of pornography has changed. Because <laughs> Well, this escalated quickly. The Internet has kind of... I'm not even going to get into the whole you Google any term and something comes up porn related on Google. I'm not going to talk about that. I'm talking about you and I grew up in the era where we didn't just see the sex scenes. You saw the story. And I'm not talking about the, oh, my God, how am I going to pay for the pizza kind of stuff. I'm talking story. about, yeah, I'm talking about a cafe flesh or a Satisfiers of Alpha Blue or a movie like that where there's actual, where maybe 60% of the movie is actually story. People don't want that anymore. The, the the tube sites, the red tubes and and porn tubes. I've actually had I've actually heard people complain when I try to recommend some old really you know kind of artsy porn film. Can't they just get to the fucking? Are are you so baseless that you just need to see a cum shot? What happened to actually watching a porno movie for the movie part two? I just I don't care i think that it's like a lot of times when you get these porns like pirates and whatnot where they uh they have these lavish production value and and it's a, at the end of the day it's still people putting their dicks in places you know it's like i don't like i don't but you get, need the motivation you need to know why she's taking that dick in the butt i don't care quite frankly 
You shallow some bitch, you. I look. I, sure, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I'm shallow, okay. I don't like. It's like I don't. I don't necessarily need to have all of that. Uh, the the lead up to it because I know that you know they're acting. It's it's just it's it's a movie, and uh, I I don't particularly need to know all of that. You realize how many mainstream '70s and '80s Hollywood directors started in porn? The start. I mean, you go back and look at like. Abel Ferrara's Nine Lives of a Wet Pussy, and you go, wow, you can... I'm I'm not being pretentious or facetious here. You can see Ferrara's style in that. Even if I didn't know it, because, you know, he goes by the name Jimmy Boy L in that, but it was still Abel Ferrara. That's an Abel Ferrara film. Orson Welles helped out on, on a porno film and stuff and you can you go i can really see how much they were trying to make these real movies well let's switch gears then to theatrical theatrical films do do not play the way they used to even though you keep seeing all of these numbers like you know the avengers comes out and it's you know broken box office records and and you look at inflation and you go no, not really, because I, I, I saw one recently that, that the first Transformers movie, which remember, broke box office records. If you adjust for, if you adjust for inflation, it still made less money than Smokey and the Bandit did in 1977. So, when you see a film that, it grossed half a billion dollars, it really doesn't mean that much anymore when tickets are 14 bucks a ticket, you know? But at the same time, the movie going experience just, it generally sucks nowadays. Okay, first a ticket, you're going to pay between 10 and 14 bucks, depending on whether you're seeing it like IMAX or, you know, a double D theater or something like that. At the same time, then you got, you know, the popcorn, which is overpriced, and the soda, and now you have movie theaters that serve wine and pizza and hot dogs and donuts and all this stuff. A simple outing to just go see a movie with your girlfriend can cost you 60 to $75. That's insanity! Yeah. And they don't see a problem with this. They they just keep jacking the price up. Uh, I had to, uh, well, I didn't have to, but I went to see Valerian to review it. They, uh, they, at my local theater, they always take first run movies and they'll have screenings on Thursday night before the Friday opening. And so they had three screenings, 2D screenings, one at 5 p.m. and another at 10.45 p.m. 5 p.m. was too early, 10.45 was too late, but then they had a 3D screening at 8. I had the same thing with Spider-Man Homecoming. My girlfriend worked the the night we were going to go see it. She worked till 7 p.m. The last showing of 2D was 7 p.m. There were two 2D screenings in the day, four 3D screenings. I was like, f*** you. Yeah, that's the thing. They they want you to to have to get the 3D uh because a lot of times with the now unless it's something like Avatar where they pur- purposely film it in 3D and they do it that way they they uh that and there was the one Resident Evil where they did it with the 3D cameras. That's different, but the majority of them uh they do the 3D in post and it only costs between 2 to 4 million dollars to convert it into 3D in post. And then you're watching this movie and it looks like you're watching a card board cutout so it's like hey here's the thing oh all of a sudden something's sticking out at me it's like i paid five extra dollars for this it sucks 
And so that was the thing. I had to go see Valerian, an already bloated, uh, not that good movie. And then I had to pay extra for it. And it was just really frustrating because I was like, I wanted to just see the 2D version. But if they forced me into watching the, the 3D version. There, there are times where at the movies, you, you just kind of wonder, why, why does this movie need to, like, I remember a local theater when Grown Ups 2 came out had a special IMAX screening of Grown Ups 2. And I was thinking, do you really need to see that movie in IMAX? Is is that necessary for an Adam Sandler film? No. Blade Runner 2049, (laughs) that might work in IMAX. Grown Ups 2, no. No. Any sci-fi movie, any uh action movie or something like, yeah, that makes sense. But like comedies, I don't. And, and that's another thing. This kind of also couples into that. This is just I don't understand when a comedy will cost like a hundred million dollars. What? What are you spending all your money on? Like, I can understand as as much as I didn't like Valerian, like you could actually see the money on the screen. They they really did a lot of, uh, of of visuals. So it's like, OK, that was expensive. And I understand why that costs so much. But when you have a comedy that comes along, it costs like 100, 150 million dollars. And then you watch it and the writing isn't all that great. It's like, well, you didn't spend the money on the writing. And it's just they they blew it all to secure a cast that they, they knew people would want to go see. So that's just baffling to me. I'm always irritated by here. The theater up here has ads for the IMAX screening of Pitch Perfect 3. Why? Mm -hmm. What? Kong Skull Island works in IMAX. Pitch Perfect 3, who gives a fuck? Uh, a lot of people, I don't know, they like the Pitch Perfect movies. I think they stink. I'm, okay, I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, do you need to see that type of movie in freaking IMAX? Yeah, uh, no. You know, and then speaking of IMAX, you also have this thing. Now, this used to be a once in a while thing, but they've been doing it way more and more and more. The Inhumans, the two hour pilot for that, you can watch it on TV or you can go pay $14 to go see it in IMAX. Why would you when it's airing at the same time on TV for free? Uh, some people want the big experience. I don't know. Uh, when they were doing the Blu-ray remasters of the, uh, Star Trek The Next Generation episodes, they did, uh, Encounter at Farpoint and then, um, Best of Both Worlds Part 1 and Part 2. Uh, they had, uh, like theatrical screenings of those. And hell yeah, I went to go see, uh, those two. And I was actually bummed that they didn't do the, uh, the series finale because the Blu-ray sales were not doing quite as well as they had hoped. And it was a shame because they put a lot of work into those but it was very cool seeing uh seeing those on the big screen now i'm not comparing star trek to the the inhumans but there is a certain neatness being able to see something like that on the big screen uh if you're really that much into it but uh, i don't know i mean is is there like even people who are diehard marvel fans seem to not really be into the inhumans thing like it looks like a tv show because it is. I know what I'm saying, but but they've been doing a pretty good job of making shows that are TV shows, but not like they've kind of elevated. This looks like a no, TV I, show. I, I, I would say the Marvel shows, like Agents of Shield, it absolutely looks like a TV show. It's well, the I, DC stuff that tends to look bigger on a TV show level. Strangely enough. Well, I was thinking, I was thinking more. Well, yeah, definitely the DC stuff, but I was also thinking like um, the Netflix. Marvel okay, shows. Okay, okay. I, I, I thought you were thinking broadcast TV is what I was thinking of. But, but, cause Inhumans is going, it's going to Netflix, isn't it? I thought Inhumans was ABC, cause it's a spinoff of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I, th- I, 
So I was, I, maybe I it's, maybe they're doing another thing where it's also going to be on. Because I, I could have swore there was something saying that it was going to be on Netflix, but maybe it's a delayed thing like the Star Trek that they're doing uh, with the new series. But I I don't know. But it's but I mean, but that to me, like looking at it, I'm like, oh god, the production value on this just does not look uh, on par with their other stuff. It's so flatly lit, and it just it looks so bland but then again that makes it fit in perfectly with agents of shield which is also bland looking as hell yeah it looks like it's a bunch of sets you know it just doesn't look anything you know then let's talk about retro screenings because you get a lot of these retro screenings like i recently went to the Smokey and the bandit retro screening for the 40th anniversary and i noticed something weird not only were there only maybe a dozen other people in the theater besides my girlfriend and i None of them were under 35. And you kind of go, hmm. And then I remember last Halloween when I went to, first time I ever saw it on the big screen, the original Night of the Living Dead. Not only was there almost no one in the theater, the only people under 30 were giggling throughout the whole movie and making fun of the hairstyles. And I remember when I saw Halloween at the big screen this last Halloween, the original Halloween from John Carpenter. Nobody was under 30. Are the retro screenings kind of a just catering to the older audience or are they thinking a 16 year old's gonna go i mean i've heard a lot about this Smokey and the bandit movie maybe i should go check it out uh i mean it's definitely catering catering to a certain audience but every now and then there's a surprise like i went to a screening of teen witch and there was uh there was a, a do you like boys yeah <laughs> i like boys I love Teen Witch. And there was, uh, I would say a fairly wide variety of, uh, of people there. All, all mostly, uh, I would say youngest, like early twenties, oldest, uh, like early forties. And, uh, it was, it was pretty crowded and, uh, it was, it was great. It was awesome to see that on the big screen because I didn't see it on the big screen back in the day. So something like that is really cool. But I think more so movies that people will go to where you'll get a packed house. Like I went to a packed house uh they ran dracula 1979 and dracula's risen from the grave two old hammer films and uh that was huge uh in phoenix phoenixville uh, right near where i used to live uh they have the colonial theater and every year they run uh, they have blob fest and that is a packed house of people watching the blob and uh, uh it's uh so there are specific things where uh they are uh bigger than uh, just your your you know kind of quickie um, retro screening like uh, you'll have a um, we have a, a regal near here and every now and then they'll run like Jaws or they'll run uh, like a Doctor Who episode or they'll run um, Raiders of the Lost Ark and you know you get a few people that go in to see them and it's basically they're just filling the theater uh, for the evening and uh, so uh, and it's kind of cool but I can understand them not constantly filling up like they used to but then you have other ones where you are going to be drawing a crowd. And see, like, I, I, one of the things that kills the retro screenings for me, I get it. It might be difficult to find a 35 millimeter print, but I remember when I went to go see Dracula two years ago, the original Bella Lugosi, Todd Browning Dracula. And I remember seeing just a couple of seconds of the DVD menu before the film started playing. Man, did that yank me out of the experience. Yeah, I could see that being a little bit of a bummer. It's like, I own this DVD. Why did I just pay you $8 to watch my the DVD I own on the big screen? This is, you know, I kind of was expecting something more. I remember the same thing with Psycho. It was so clearly off of a DVD print that I it kind of 
irritated me when I saw the original Psycho in the theater last year. I mean, the prints are, are getting harder and harder to get. They're uh, they're expensive. They're rare. They cost a lot of money to ship, and that's why I mean, a lot of it is uh, is going to digital because uh, it's uh, it's a lot more convenient to get around. Why do you think then that so many theaters are switching to the digital only? For instance, like I know Tarantino bitched when Hateful Eight came out about how much trouble he had getting a 70 millimeter print to play because theaters were saying, okay, you shot it on 70. Fine. Convert that to a digital file for us. And of course, you know, you know, Tarantino, he blew a nut over that. I agree with him on this. His point was this is supposed to be seen on film, you sons of bitches, not on digital. It is a sign of the times. It's just that film is expensive. It, as I said just a minute ago, it's expensive. It's expensive to ship. It's expensive to store properly. It has a tendency to break. Uh, there are a lot of things that could go wrong with film. And it's such a mixed bag. And the thing is, I would be willing to bet the vast majority of people, if you were to show them a film print and show them a digital print, they either wouldn't care or they would say uh, they would prefer the digital well one other thing i, w- I want to bitch about th- but for theatrical screenings is the trailers i can't even count how many times because my girlfriend and i go to the movies quite a bit now you don't know how many times i've seen the same trailer i, I- i've seen i think i saw before ghost in the shell came out that trailer in the theater six to seven times and once was in was twice no three times in the same day we went and saw Logan and Kong Skull Island back to back. The screenings happened to line up to be only 15 minutes apart. So we saw Kong and then we saw Logan. And before each one was Ghost in the Shell. But the Logan one, they ran into a problem. So they played the Ghost in the Shell trailer. And then something happens and they had to restart the whole thing. And they played the Ghost in the Shell trailer again. And I'm like, I wanted to see this movie, but now I just want it to f***ing go away. I'm sick of the same trailers at every movie I go to. Yeah, uh, I am now, uh, I was talking with somebody on Twitter about this the other day. Uh, I am of the thought process now that uh, if you go to the movies, trailers or fair game if you want to talk to your neighbor if you want to sit on your cell phone if you want to uh, watch a movie on your cell phone or watch twitch on your cell phone or whatever go nuts but as soon as the movie starts shut it off you know shut up watch the movie and for the most part things have been going really well with that i get to a movie couple you know now i just show up to the movie late because i know there's going to be 20 minutes of trailers so i i wander into the movie about 10 minutes after it started and there's still you know another 10 15 minutes of trailers to go i get my seat i sit down and i you know i break out my cell phone and i'll watch twitch for 10 15 minutes and i will just ignore whatever they're throwing at me because there was a time the people most people don't know trailers the reason they're called trailers is because they used to come after the movie so it used to say stay tuned for coming attractions exactly so if you wanted to see like what was coming out you would but now you're inundated with trailers you go to watch a youtube video there's a trailer before the video the worst of that is i don't remember what the movie was but this is about a year ago i went to go watch a trailer for a new movie and the commercial i got was a commercial for the movie i was about to watch the trailer for yeah 
it's it's just it's ridiculous and it's like it, it they don't realize how much they're inundating people with this and how it's turning them off how many movies that uh i have lost interest in because i've just been so inundated with uh trailers and talking about this and then people going on the internet uh going on twitch or, or i'm sorry going on twitter and just posting spoiler pictures from the i'm like so even if you don't watch the trailer like most recently was uh civil war didn't watch the last trailer i was like you know what i know i'm gonna see this but as soon as the they one, ran the trailer the one where they re- where they reveal spider-man yeah and it was just spider-man everywhere and i'm like okay even though i avoided it i can't avoid it that's pretty much the way it goes but i also have a problem with just the theater going audience now sometimes you get those jackasses that just will not shut the up in the theater there i can't remember what movie it was it was a relatively crowded movie it might have been guardians of the galaxy 2 where this guy maybe two rows behind us was just key i mean it's it's one thing if you're in a comedy or a funny movie and there people are laughing that's to be expected this guy just kept talking to the movie like he was at home and i started getting i kept turning around and flashing him looks and my girlfriend could tell she's like stop it knock it off and i eventually started to stand up at one point when this guy wouldn't shut up she grabbed my leg and pushed me back down like don't i don't have bail money because i was so fucking pissed off at that point cecil and this guy just he didn't care part of the audience now is i'm here to enjoy myself i don't care about your movie going experience i'm here for me well it's been like that for past few years where like uh, hey, I'm, I'm here to watch this movie. I don't care. Uh, and they don't have any common courtesy. They don't, uh, they don't give a crap. They don't care that there's other people in there. And, uh, for the most part, it's gotten a lot better. Like I, I had stopped going to see movies in 2007 because I was so annoyed because I went to see a screening of, uh, the, of 300 and there were people that, I mean, it was every, it was like a perfect storm of awful. There was a couple that brought their baby to the movie theater for an R rated film. There was a couple that brought their like kid who was like maybe five years old and he was running around the theater. There were people that wouldn't shut up. There were people on their cell phones there. It was just every possible cliche thing that could happen in a theater of annoying person. So that's when I was just like, no, I'm not going back. And I didn't go back for the longest time. I didn't uh, actually go to see uh, a movie in the theater again until uh, 2012 because that was when they really started to fix things up where they were like realizing how much of the audience they're losing. So, they started putting in bigger seats and more comfortable seats and better screens. And management started to deal with the the noisy people, too. Yeah, management started to actually kick people out. So now the vast majority, I would say 90% of the time if I go see a movie, it's everybody's cool. Everybody just sits there, watches the movie, shuts up. Uh, every now and then you'll get somebody who will try to talk to the screen or will just uh just won't shut up like oh god what did i the worst is when people get high before seeing a movies oh yeah i remember i remember when i saw fury road in the theater i was still married at the time went with my wife this guy a couple of rows down from us we were way way up at the top because the theater was really packed this guy a couple of rows down from us remember that's not a comedy Every time a scene of violence would happen, he would just erupt in laughter. And this was clearly high guy laughter, you know, where, mm-hmm. you know, this is the kind of guy who would normally be sitting at home in his underwear, fiddling with himself, watching SpongeBob with a with a bag full of blended Doritos on his lap. And everything in this movie was hilarious to him. And he was just as loud and he's doing the 
slapping his seat and everything. My wife got up and just got the manager and the manager kicked him out. It's like, no one can enjoy this movie because you think a pregnant woman being run over with a monster truck is the funniest thing you've ever seen in your life. There's a lot of people who will frequently say, like they were saying that about Valerian. They're like, oh man, I can't wait to see this high. And I'm just like, oh, shut up, 12-year-old. I remember when I saw Land of the Dead in the theater. It was a relatively empty theater, but these people came and sat next to us. They, they, we, we saw them when we were coming in. My wife and I saw them smoking dope. Yeah, fine, whatever. But to cover up the pot smell, they literally poured perfume all over themselves. Ugh. If this were a cartoon, you would have been able to see the wavy lines coming off of them. They were so smelly, my eyes literally started to water. And I was like, get the f*** out! <laughs> you don't need to smoke dope before... It's one thing if you just smoke dope. It's another thing if... Well, okay, first of all, if you're dousing yourself in perfume, like I don't realize you're trying to... F- cover pot smell right mm-hmm. but it's like all you care about is your own fun when i when i went to see night of the living dead like i said there were these girls these teenage girls laughing hysterically at everything in there and just just giggling at the movie and i just was like why are you even here then why did you buy a ticket to this movie because it's something to do when i saw predators in the theater there was a guy in front of me he he spent the entirety of the movie that he saw, because he left after about 45 minutes. He paid his ticket, he was right ahead of me in line, sat down, and played a game on his phone for the entirety of the movie that he was there, and then got up and just left. Why did you even buy a ticket to this movie? I, I just think it, when you go to the movies, you should be there for the movie. And, and sometimes you, people get a little too into it. When uh, Studio Ghibli re-released Princess Mononoke and Mononoke Hime to theaters last year, or earlier this year, I covered it for Forces of Geek. My girlfriend and I went, because, you know, she loves anime. My girlfriend and I went to the subtitled screening. There were people there in their pajamas. There was a couple that were just kicking back. There were people wearing costumes and whatnot. And I'm like, for the 20th anniversary screening of Mononoke Hime, you're dressing up? This is not Star Wars, people. Uh, you're talking to somebody fandom is weird man yeah but i mean i don't know i mean i've seen you know people uh, people get dressed up for star wars people get dressed up for star trek people get now are getting dressed up for the marvel films uh i may have gone to the uh movie theater in my pajamas before because it's you may have i may have gone (laughs) <laughs> because I was catching a late night movie and it's comfortable. And, uh, so yeah, you know, whatever. Uh, I think as long as you're not interfering, like, uh, you're not kicking your, your shoes off. Oh, no, no. I, I, I'm not complaining about like the people at the Mononoke Hime screening interfering. I just thought it was a little weird that you're getting dressed up for, th- for this movie. I mean, it, it's a great movie. I'm not discounting the movie. Really? You know, there are people that really dig it. You know what else people dig? This Cecil guy. Wow. Where can people find him? What, that I was actually nice to you in the outro? Uh, No, it's just, uh, I I don't know. I didn't have any other thing to say. (laughs) Tell people where they can find you. You gotta tell you, it's been a long day. Uh, you can find me, uh, at, uh, goodbadflicks.com as well as Twitter, Twitch, and Facebook, goodbadflicks. And you can find me at 1201beyond.com. Contact this show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Try to be a cut above, keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold, and next week if Peter's back, we'll all prove we are garbage humans. Well, you are, maybe.
Radiodrome is a 1201 Beyond production. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.